This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome to the latest Agenda show from the Blood Red Channel with myself, Matt Addison, alongside our Liverpool FC correspondent, Paul Gorst. Paul, it's a strange time to be a football reporter. It is. Certainly uh, not much football going on, certainly at the top level, but uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but it just feels really, really weird at the moment. It's strange, isn't it? And it's quite worrying because it's uh, it only got announced on Friday that there'd be no Premier League football or indeed any professional football until April the 3rd at the very earliest. And we're only two days in and we're already we're thinking, what, what are we going to do? I mean, it's like an extended international break, which for... Merseyside-based sports reporters is always a little bit more difficult anyway because there's that interest in England that just isn't necessarily there in this region of of, uh, of the country um, for a myriad of reasons. But it's a case of um, what's going to happen. No one really knows. Um, so it's going to be a, an interesting few weeks, shall we say, at, uh, at the very least. And uh, um, we'll all have to wait and see what's, what's going to happen. Yeah, no matches until at least April the 3rd. Obviously, Liverpool scheduled to, to play Manchester City on the 5th, should that go ahead. But uh, certainly at this stage, it, it seems a little bit optimistic to mm-hmm. think that that might be the case. Liverpool took the decision to go into to self-isolation on Friday. Um, that's the, the situation so far. Could you tell us a little bit more about how that came to be? Yeah, well, obviously, Liverpool meant to be playing Everton, weren't they, in the 236 Major Derby on... Monday uh, evening, Liverpool actually sent around the the information to the reporters who were going to be at the press conference that <clears throat> it was going to be held at Anfield instead of Melbourne this week, um, which is a little bit of a change, but it was centred around looking to kind of minimise that risk around Melwood. Um I didn't think much of it, to be honest. I just thought, OK, that seems fairly sensible. We'll all go to Anfield and we'll speak to Jürgen Klopp. And then we got the, the message on the Friday morning that it was being cancelled altogether. Uh, not too long after that emerged, uh, Phil Kirkbride, our Everton correspondent, had written that Everton had been asked to self-isolate after one of the Everton players had shown symptoms consistent with the coronavirus. And then you're kind of doing the joined-up thinking and, and basically come to the conclusion, OK, this Merseyside derby simply can't go ahead if, if one of the Everton players does have the coronavirus. So um, <clears throat> it wasn't a shock when it was announced that the game would be postponed. And then we've got the... Friday announcement from the, the governing bodies that all football would be suspended until April the 3rd at the very earliest. So it wasn't a shock that um, that the, the Merseyside derby was going to be cancelled, but then you're thinking, OK, there's no no game against Aston um, Crystal Palace the week later. Liverpool, in theory, will return to action against Man City. And weirdly, they're presented with the opportunity of going from six points to a league title to three. Because if they beat Manchester City, of course, then they are crowned. Premier League champions, so um, strange series of events, but I m- must say it wasn't a, a shock when um, it, it did get announced that there would be a little bit of a suspension on football over the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the situation certainly at Premier League level seemed to escalate very, very mm. quickly. Earlier in the week, we, we thought games were going on as normal, and then one minute that was the case, the next minute they were off. So uh, certainly a, a strange situation for, for journalists, for fans, and it must be for the players as well. I mean, how did they react on Friday? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> spoke to one or two people today for a piece on, on the Echoes website and um, I was told that the the mood was fine really, there was no kind of panic or shock, no real worry uh, about the players being told that they're going to have to train away from Melbourne for, for the next week or so. They've all been given bespoke training programmes which tends to happen during international breaks when players are coming back from injuries that they're given 
certain instructions on, on how to go about maintaining their fitness and keeping their up. Uh, I was told that the message is very much on remaining professional while you're away from training. Train like, like the under the instructions that you're being given. Stay focused, try and stay healthy, keep away from any mass gatherings that can kind of increase your risk. Um, so it's all very professional and sensible. It's not exactly exciting or huge news, but um, I think Liverpool are trying to stay as, as professional as possible, knowing that their players need to stay in as close to peak condition as they can in case the Premier League does return and Liverpool are still six points from a first league title. Yeah, as you say, they, they obviously recognise that there's a scenario where Liverpool could be told in a couple of weeks' time, right, you're getting back to it. Mm. And uh, we've seen in the past the impact of, of different breaks and a few people have been talking about the the impact that the winter break yeah, had on yeah. Liverpool's rhythm and that kind of thing. I mean, that's certainly something that, that Jurgen Klopp and his staff have got to consider, isn't it? It is. I mean, at this moment, you, you're saying we're working under the assumption that football will return on April the 4th. We'll obviously see what happens with that, but uh, at the moment that's what we've been told, so that's what we'll work towards. So that gives Liverpool about a th- three-week break. Um, it's longer than an international break. And obviously, during those international breaks, the majority of Liverpool's team would be playing football anyway, then they'd certainly be training. Um, so this is a little bit dif- different. The training on their own isn't going to be as intense as the sessions at Melwood with the rest of the team. So it's how do the players kind of look to stay in that peak condition and... and I must admit, if Liverpool return to action in three weeks' time, I think you're gonna, you're not gonna find a team who are at 100%. Um, but then again, you'd say that for pretty much every team across the, the top flight. So it's a, it's an unprecedented situation, and, and it's one that will have so many different kind of um, stories and subplots to it over the next few weeks. So it's just going to be a case of finding out what happens. But certainly, I wouldn't expect Liverpool to be firing on all cylinders once they return to action. But um, they're in a, a very good position to kind of wrap this league up with six points to get from nine games. Yeah, certainly the the same for all teams. It won't just be Liverpool who are, who are mm. out of rhythm, but uh, that is, of course, if the league season does continue as we expect it to, and the most likely scenario at this stage is, is perhaps that games get played behind closed doors and that sort of thing, but there's been a lot of discussion about legal implications and, and sporting implications as well, if, if and when the, the, the Premier League does return. But uh, we've uh, had comments from Karen Brady and Chris Sutton in, in recent days, and it's fair to say that the Liverpool fans won't necessarily agree with, with what those two said. No, they won't. I mean, Karen Brady is the executive vice chairman of, of West Ham United, and she suggested that the league be cancelled, they're all shut down, and we, and we go again in August. And... Um, I don't think that now is the time to be making any snap judgments or knee-jerk decisions over what you think should happen. The football authorities have given themselves three weeks to come up with a solution, um, three weeks to implement a, what you hope would be a very robust plan of action going forward. So I don't think we need to be suggesting that it needs to be called off here and now. I think with West Ham United um, being in a precarious position just above that relegation spot, I think it's very clear from Karen Brady's comments that they're very self-interested, she'll be straight towards West Ham concerns. And fans across the country will have their own issues over what, what they feel should happen. But I think at the moment it's best to maybe um, just wait it out and, and see what happens in what is a, an unprecedented situation. Uh, you mentioned Chris Sutton there as well. I thought his comments were very strange. He said in the Daily Mail that um, Liverpool cannot be awarded the Premier League title because they haven't got over the line which is all very fair enough. 
and then says in the Daily Record that Celtic should be awarded the Scottish Premiership title because um, they're ahead, um, which, again, it becomes into that area of, of self-interest because the two very opposite viewpoints that he's taken in those two separate publications stand, stand to benefit three of his former clubs. So now isn't the time to be um, to, to be nailing your colours to the mast. I think it's a very unique situation for, for football to deal with. Um, it's, a, it's a worldwide health issue at, at the core of it, isn't it? Let's not forget that. Jürgen Klopp struck the right tone on Friday when he said today isn't the day for football. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a shame that you know these self-interested parties are kind of hammering home what they'd like to happen. I think it's a case of waiting and seeing. And the football authorities have bought themselves some time with Friday's announcements, so we wait and see. Yeah, you mentioned Jurgen Klopp's message. Just a, a quick word on that, because uh, we've seen so much mixed messages from from various people, but yeah. he was very clear, and I thought the the tone that he took with that was absolutely superb. Yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, he, he admitted that behind closed doors wasn't ideal, um, but this is the the situation he find themselves in, and everyone needs to take a step back and realise that football is not um, life and death, you know, and this coronavirus to some people obviously is. It's it's um, it's a worldwide pandemic. The World Health Organization have declared it as that this week officially. So it's something very real and dangerous to everyone on the planet. Unprecedented, as I say, in football to kind of step away and see what the lay of the land is in, in a few weeks' time. People have mentioned Blackpool in 1939. You know, not not being awarded the title. The, the difference was in, in in that day they'd only played three games. They hadn't played 29 like Liverpool. Um, and they went 25 points clear. So um, there is no precedent to, to kind of look back on and there are no, no examples to try and use going forward. It's a case of um, waiting and seeing, as I say, seeing what um, everyone comes together with. And, and hopefully the governing bodies do come up with a, an agreeable solution that um, you know is fair to, to everyone involved. Yeah, as you say, we are in uncharted territory and uh, on Tuesday UEFA will be convening to discuss their plans for the summer's European Championships and of course the remainder of the Champions League and Europa League for this season. And then on Thursday the Premier League will meet again to discuss contingency plans ahead of that and what to do next. Stay tuned to the Liverpool Echo website and we'll have all of the updates as and when those things and anything else besides breaks. For now though, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.